Before we get into God's word, let's take a moment and go to him in prayer. Our God and our Father, we do thank you for your forgiveness, for your mercy and your love and your grace. For, Lord, we do need you, and we thank you that you are always available. We thank you for our wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we speak, pray, speak to each of our hearts today. We pray that you would inspire Brother Rick and uh, speak to each one of us your word and give us uh, clear direction for our lives and uh, deepen our faith in you. We just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. So last week, Micah talked on forgiveness, and uh, he made two main points, that God's forgiveness is not deserved and that God forgives willingly. So today, as a springboard, if you will, I was thought of the Chuck Colson book, How Now Shall We Live? In light of God's forgiveness that is not deserved and in light of God's willing forgiveness, um, I was tasked with today being our response. And when I say our response, it's really individual, but it's our response. In light of God's forgiveness, undeserved, in light of God willingly forgiving, what is our response? Um, so the text that we're going to read today is in, uh, well, I missed the slide, but that's okay. Uh, sorry, First John 1, it is page 1023, I believe, in your pew Bible. First uh, John 1. 5, and we will read through 2, 6. So again, that's 1 John 1, 5 through 2, 6. I'll give you a moment to get there. Okay, 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word has no place in our hearts. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not, does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So those of you that are note takers, I broke down our response into two categories. It's our response to God. And then at the second half of the sermon, we'll talk about our response to others. And those, so there's a couple logical response, at least in my brain, logical responses that we can have to God's forgiveness. We can simply choose to deny it. God's forgiveness. We're not interested. We don't need it. We don't believe it. 
We're not interested. This is not a large group of people on the planet. I don't believe what they're a very vocal group. This is the Richard Dawkins. This is the Bill Mahars. Although reasonably, recently, if you read Bill Mahar, he's become a strange voice of reason. But these are the atheists. These are the people, um, if you follow a Supreme Court case, these are the people that are trying to get the satanic flag put up in Boston. Um, these people are vocal. Not a great majority of people. I will say one thing for this approach. It's honest. They're honest. They're not candy-coating it. They're not interested in God's love or forgiveness. Don't need it. Don't believe it for whatever reason. It's one option. Not the best option, but it is, a, it is an honest option. We can accept it. So this probably is where most of us feel we belong. We confess our sins in verse 8. We are renewed by the shed blood of Jesus. We read that in, in 2, 2. And we recognize the magnitude of the price that was paid. We recognize the magnitude, the price that was paid. God's forgiveness willingly, we did not deserve it. What was the magnitude? Christ paid with his life for us. The only person that could pay, the, the God-man paid with his life. The magnitude that it cost to forgive our sins. We can accept it, then we walk in the light. Verse 7, as a result of accepting it. Because we have fellowship with him, in verse 6. Who? And I want to pause here for a second. With who do we have fellowship? We have fellowship with God through Jesus. The I am. The creator of the universe. From beginning to end, there is no end. God. We have fellowship with God. What did he do for us? Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He died for us. Why? John 3, 16. I don't preach about that verse much. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes on him will not perish, but have eternal life. And Luke 19, 10, the son of man came to seek and save what? That which was lost. You were lost. You had no hope. No hope of that forgiveness. But Jesus gave it willingly. We accept it. And here, then, we need to walk as Jesus did. How did Jesus walk on this earth? This is the last verse, and it might become our key verse. This is 2.6. Two, two, How did Jesus walk on this earth? Jesus never shied away from the truth. Never. But rarely did Jesus ram the truth down your throat. Jesus' harshest words on this earth were for the scribes and the Pharisees, people that were deceiving people, people thought they were holier than thou, people that thought they had it together. Jesus' harshest words on this earth were not for the sinners. Zacchaeus, tax collector, stole money from people. Jesus chew him out? No. Nicodemus? No. I think of the woman at the well. How many husbands did she have? Was it five? I can't remember off the top. Five, and she's currently sleeping with another man? I think of the woman caught in adultery that they were going to stone. All the accusers left. Jesus' words to her, did he shy away from the truth? He did not. Go and sin no more. Did he preach a hellfire and brimstone sermon to her? I don't think so. And it seems as I look in society... It seems like these, we're, we're, we're pushed to these two extremes, isn't it? 
It seems the Christians that got the microphone in front maybe are, are ramming that hellfire and brimstone. And then we have other Christians that were slowly, were shying away from the truth. We see it in society. I'm not going to give examples, but you know what I'm talking about. But the bottom line is, is we need to stand on this book in its entirety. Not the parts you like, the parts you don't like. And we need to stand on this truth. All of it. How did Jesus walk? And how, is, how are we supposed to walk? Micah 6, 8. It's how Jesus walked on earth. That's our challenge, how to walk on this earth. There is an other approach. Those of you now thinking I'm going to be heretical here. Um, you can accept it, we can deny it, or we can go with another slash hybrid approach to God's forgiveness. It's relative goodness. Anyone heard that term, relative goodness? Well, I'm not a bad person. I'm a pretty good guy. I'm not a pedophile. I'm not a murderer. I'm not in jail. I don't beat my wife. I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Who am I comparing myself to? Other people. Jesus is going to appear you to this book and his holy standard. So the other slash hybrid approach doesn't work. It ends actually in the same place as the denial. It sounds better, it's softer, but it doesn't. And verse 8 here says, don't deceive yourself. And I would suggest to you that there is no one better on this planet than deceiving yourself or justifying yourself than you. You're a professional at it. I can justify all of my wrongs and all of my inactions if I let myself. Don't deceive yourself. There is no hybrid approach. This book in its entirety, and I fail. Recognize the darkness, verse 6, because in the end, Jesus will judge. Jesus will judge the living and the dead. And he's not going to compare you to Vladimir Putin and say, well, you're better than him. You're okay. You can come in. Jesus will judge the living and the dead. And he knows your heart. All of it. All of my dark heart, too. Don't deceive yourself. Our response to others. So in light of God's forgiveness, we talked about our response to God. We can accept it. We can deny it. Or we can try and make our own hybrid approach, which is, does not work. This now, then, is our response to God. I suspect there will be some overlap between, with Doug's sermon next week. We did talk about it. I'm not sure exactly where he's going. But I did want to talk about our response in light of God's forgiveness to others. Very similarly, we can deny it. We can deny forgiveness. Don't forgive you don't know what they did to me. It was personal. They abused their authority. They did it on purpose. I'm not forgiving them. I was totally innocent. It never stopped. We can deny forgiveness. Now, don't misunderstand me. There are people that have gone through horrendous, horrific things in this broken world. I am not minimizing anyone's pain anyone's at all, but we can choose to deny forgiveness for whatever reason. The Lord's Prayer is what I thought of when I thought of this. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You want to deny forgiveness? 
good luck. Good luck if God deals with you the way you're dealing with the person you're denying forgiveness. Don't deceive yourself. Our response to others, we can obey his commands. We can accept it. 2 verse 3. God's love then is truly in him. Our response in terms of forgiveness, specifically, is to forgive others. I'll put a question mark, but it's followed by exclamation points. Our response in terms of God's forgiveness is to forgive others. We can accept it. Matthew 18, 21. Let's flip there for a minute. It's two verses. Matthew 18, 21. It's page 823 in your pew Bible. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. If you put this in context, in my opinion anyways, Peter's looking for an attaboy. Peter is coming up to Jesus. God, Jesus, how many times should we forgive? Because I do seven. Seven. I'm pretty good. Jesus, I think Peter really wanted. Matthew, James, John, Bartholomew, come over here. Look at, look, look, look at Peter. Why do I say that? Jewish law states that the person who did wrong should ask for, for forgiveness up to three times, after which the person is no longer considered accountable for the wrongdoing. Said another way, traditional rabbinic teaching of the day was that an offended person needed to forgive a brother only three times. So Peter, dude, I'm two and a half times better than anyone else. I set the bar at seven, Jesus. What's Jesus' response? Did Jesus shy away from the truth? Did he ram it down Peter's throat? Hey, Peter, how about 70 times seven? How about 490 times? Why don't you start there? How about once? I hesitated on telling this story, but we'll go with it anyways. How about once? I had a, well, a candidly, a, a rather meteoric rise to the top of a company in, uh, in the early 2000s. Um, got in my thoughts and my, basically I could do no wrong, truthfully, and I, and I, and I really rose to the top. Um, and then one day, I, I truly, genuinely don't know what happened. And uh, Doug was the gentleman's name, he was the owner, and I worked directly for his brother, and I was called into the office one day in 2009, August, and uh, HR let me go. It was buried in a, in a corporate layoff, and so that day, I don't know how many people we let go, but we, it was not seniority driven. We, we let go the underperformers, the troublemakers, and me. And I was obviously shell-shocked. I had two young children at the time. And uh, I was irritated that Doug did not have the uh, courage to do it. He made HR just do it and call, and call me in. And I uh, actually saw him the next day, strangely enough. I was meeting someone that used to still work there. 
and uh, saw him at Jimmy John's right in the line, and he couldn't get away from me. And I said, hi, Doug. And Doug says, yeah, things haven't been real fun around there lately. And turned around and walked away. And I'm thinking, you're a multimillionaire. I just got fired yesterday. I got a wife and two kids and no job. And this was 2009. It's not like today. There were no jobs to have. And things hadn't been fun around there. Boy, I'm sorry for you, Doug. And still, truthfully, that really went out of my mind, honestly. I mean, it came and went, and it was certainly a tough time. And um, so why am I telling you this story? This was 2009. Because I never forgave Doug. I never did. Now, this was kind of a passive-aggressive. It's not like something that consumed me. This is 13 years ago. Hadn't really thought about it much when I did. It was, eh, you know, I've got another job, been back on my feet. Not this past Tuesday, the Tuesday previous. I finally got on my knees in my office, and I forgave Duck because the sin was mine. I was harboring it. Was it eating me up? It was not, but it took me 13. 13 years, 13 years, and I forgave Doug. I haven't seen him since. That's not the point. The point is I gave it up. I forgave him. Have you ever remembered that you forgot to forgive? Is there someone you need to forgive? Is there someone you need to ask forgiveness of? It took me 13 years. Don't do that. We can accept God's forgiveness. This is 1 John 2, 6. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Other. Can we put the hybrid approach? Can we put the hybrid approach on how we be with others? Sure. I forgive other people. All the ones that deserve it. I'm a good person. Relative goodness. There it is again. Who are we comparing it to? Good luck. Good luck with applying the hybrid approach. God is holy, holy, holy. Summation. Good people don't go to heaven, and bad people don't go to hell. Forgiven people go to heaven because of Jesus' blood. And forgiven people forgive others because of Jesus' blood. The other, the hybrid approach, it doesn't work. It just sounds good. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. The worship team is going to come up. I'm going to close with a story. True story, I might add. In the early 60s, the Yali tribe in Irian Jaya was targeted by the Masters and the Dale family. Phil Masters and Stan Dale took their young families to the Yali tribe for the purpose of translating the gospel and getting it into the native tongue. In 1968, Phil Masters and Stan Dale were murdered and cannibalized by the tribe. The Masters family actually stayed and continued there. The Dale family went back to Australia. Decades later, Wes Dale, the son, decided that he was called to go back to finish the work that his dad died for. He didn't actually go back to that exact tribe. That tribe had been 
um, had been reached by other people, but he was back in the area. The Bible was translated in the Old and New Testament to the, to the I'm pronouncing it wrong, the Yali tribe. And there was a big dedication service. Actually, Roger Stuber flew in the Bibles. He was there. And there was a big dedication service, and they had a feast, and there were people coming from other villages, and they were dedicating the Old and the New Testament. The witch doctor, who, who not only authorized, but, but well, authorized, he suggested for the killing and authorized it was a church elder. The witch doctor that said, you kill those and cannibalize those two guys, was a church elder. When Dale, uh, Wes, Dale, and Roger were leaving that night, Wes said to Roger, he said, you remember you were taking pictures of some stuff? And he said, you took a picture with me with two old guys. Do you know who they were? Roger said, I have no earthly idea who they were. He said, those are the two men that killed and ate my father. And Roger said, pardon me? He said, you had your arms around them. You were laughing and smiling. And Wes said, those are the two men that ate and killed my father. They're brothers in Christ. They asked me for forgiveness, and I granted it. If we want to live, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did 